Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Principle of Hospitality, the podcast. Now, we've had a collision of worlds, a joining of forces, a banding of brothers. Sash from Principle Design and me, Sean from Open Pantry Consulting, are pleased to announce this venture for 2021, Principle of Hospitality. Now, we know that food brings people together and promotes community. And at Principle of Hospitality, we are here to disrupt current perceptions of what the hospitality industry can achieve in today's ever-evolving and challenging environment. Now, that's why we've partnered with Chef's Hat on this Principle of Hospitality podcast. Now, if you didn't know, Chef's Hat is the largest family-owned and operated hospitality supplier in Australia. They strive to inspire cooks, chefs, bakers, and bartenders to deliver the best product with the best tools every day. So that's why we're so proud to partner with Chef's Hat, where the industry shops. Now let's get into today's podcast. I think you're really gonna enjoy it. Welcome to the Principle of Hospitality podcast. It's fantastic to have you listening along. So thanks for tuning in. Ferguson Player is a fifth generation family bakery business with over 119 years of retail baking pedigree. And you know how much I really care about bakery, so I'm excited for this podcast today. But they don't just care about amazing bakery products. In fact, they also have done a collaboration with Sustainability Victoria in which they launched the first hybrid truck to hit Victorian streets. The brand's sustainable practices have also received a number of awards as well, which they have over 100, uh, over 80 store shots at stay across Victoria, with more on the way soon. It's a real, true Australian success story. So it's a privilege to sit down with the passionate CEO, Steve Player. Hey, Steve, how are you? Yeah, good day, Sean. How are you doing? Thanks for having us. Uh, it is fantastic to have you on the podcast and to uh, and to really you know build a friendship the last couple of months and, and understand more about your brand. Um, I want to talk about... Obviously, the YouTube and TikTok sensation of last year, but but more from that, I want to talk about this brand and, and how, you know, obviously it, it entitles your name as well. Um, so I want to talk about that. But how did you start out in the industry? Yeah, well, uh, I mean, both my brother and I have been family business, uh, born into it. Um, mm-hmm. It's the short answer. Um, <laughs> you know, love a cake, love a pie. That's what dad did. You know, why wouldn't you want to get into it? I think, yep. uh, you know, I was trying to think of other industries you might love. I've got a mate who owns a toy company or family. Oh, that'd be pretty fun. That'd be pretty good. But there aren't too many, you know, it'd be a lot less exciting than if dad sold insurance. Um, so sorry for any, any insurance people out there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so born into it. And, and a lot of people say, well, you know, were you expected to go into it? Was mm. it just, you know, especially when you're in, it was fourth generation for me. And now yeah. with our kids starting to make cupcakes and stuff in the, in the yeah. deck room, it's, it's fifth. Um, and so you like doing it. I remember, you know, we'd have little uh, primary school bakery tours and stuff, which hopefully we can get back to after, yeah. you know, COVID for, for my kids and, mm-hmm. and their their fellow classmates. That was exciting and seeing all your mates go, oh, God, I can't believe, you You know, your, your dad and mum and dad run a bakery business. Yes. Um, so it was kind of great. You were proud. You were excited. It was fun. Um, and then my first gig when I was eight was, you know, I got handed a, um, a broom and um, <laughs> I spent the, oh, the most I've part of there. the next 10 years 
being in charge of cleaning, um, which was, you know, we, we, which was fine. I remember various times, you know, staff saying, God, you know, you're the boss's son. I can't believe he makes you sweep the floor. Yes. And that's really important because mm. I think in a family business, um, you know, if you're to appreciate all the hard work that went into building the business that I got excited about, it yes. was because my dad grew up sweeping the floor. Yes. And his dad grew up sweeping the floor. And, and to be fair, they worked a lot earlier and longer hours than I do, you know, mm. right right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and you hear about people talk about how does how do you get past the second and the third generation? It's well, it's it's making sure that you appreciate what your your parents and your forefathers went through in that, as opposed to some people who are like, oh, I built this so you didn't have to work as hard as I did. Yeah, exactly. And that's just rubbish. That's mm-hmm. you know, you're setting people up to fail. <laughs> so. Um, so it was that, and so my brother and I, uh, you know, we used to ride our bikes to work from the age of 13 and 14 during school holidays and appreciated the opportunity to have um, a job in school holidays and yeah. pocket money. It mm-hmm. was, you know, we got paid as as much as your age. So if you, if when I was working when I was 10, I got 10 bucks an hour. That's all right. Oh, actually, no, that's what we do now. It was about half that <laughs> Back in 1985. I was going to say, you're doing all right. Yeah, no, <laughs> it, was, it was a lot less. It was a lot less. Um and uh, and uh, I went to uni. Uh, my brother was the passionate, hands-on sort of pastry cook, and that's why he's he, he heads up right. the manufacturing plant now. Mm-hmm. And he went straight in. Also did really well at school, but he was the hands-on guy. Uh, and uh, but but what we found was, you know, growing up in a in a you know, true family business. And my dad loves to talk, so dinner table every night was not surprising. All the stuff that he was very excited about at Ferguson Player that yes. you know got him pumped during the day, mm. all, all the things that frustrated him. And so you know, Mike and I had a you know semi-degree in Ferguson Player by the yeah. time we were 15. You really understood it. Mm-hmm. We lived through his experience of the 87 crash and the yeah. you know the deep despair that you know that he and you know the whole Australian country went through back then and then all the you know the the um, underemployment and bits mm. and pieces that, that happened or the unemployment I should mm. say. Um so we got all of that. I went to uni and I loved uni. I did a commerce degree at Melbourne. Okay. Uh, but not surprisingly, I, um, I still spent, you know, all of my non-uni hours working in the bakery and everything that I learned at uni, I, f- I found the best way to learn was was for me to apply it to the business that I worked in and all the stuff I'd heard around the, the, um, the dining room table. Yeah. And so when I was learning about, you know, marketing or people management or, you know, spreadsheets were just starting to <laughs> get into vogue back then. And, um, and so I, I just, I'd never thought about not really working in the business. I did right. a couple of jobs elsewhere and my parents or our parents always said, look, there are much easier ways to make money than getting up at two o'clock in the morning and making cakes and pies, and and there are. Yes, and we our eyes were always open to those things, right? But we just always had a passion for, uh, you know, for this, and we saw yes. for the most part, Dad came home happy and excited, and <laughs> and there was opportunity, and mm. um, and so I, I never really thought about doing anything else, but that's because I got a great relationship with my mum and my dad and my brother, yeah, um, and baking industry is really. Fun industry, you know, birthday cakes, pies, you know, other than getting the recipe wrong and having someone throw one at you. <laughs> and have to redo it. That's, that's about <laughs> as bad as it gets and that doesn't happen too often. So I was doing commerce, if I can stop you, was doing commerce to try and come back into business and then and then help it further? Was that the reason why? It, it was always sort of, uh, it, it, was a, it was a win-win. So right. either I, I went to uni and did a degree that I knew that I could help with Ferguson Player would help me be a better, you know, employee in that business. And there yep. was absolutely no, 
expectation that I would be a, a manager or general right. manager or CEO because at that time the Ferguson family were involved and there were dual CEOs and dual mm. families and so it was just you know making sure I contributed sure uh, but but I genuinely wanted to explore if there were other things that happened during uni that that got me excited and I could mm-hmm. go and work somewhere else mm-hmm. uh, and I look I just that just never happened I did you know short internship at APMG or wherever, you know, you go when yes. you're doing some accounting and mm-hmm. economics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and none of that really floated my boat. Just everything that that, that I, I learnt at uni, I, I was excited about what could happen at Ferguson Play. Like my, my my dad and my granddad, none of those guys went to uni. Yes. They went to, you know, they learnt their trade and they, they deep, you know, cultural connection to their people and mm-hmm. got all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the business at that stage, you know, in the mid-80s, maybe we had 20 stores. Yeah. Uh, and franchising was coming into vogue mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And, mm-hmm. and the business was at a point where it needed to become more sophisticated. And uh, and at the very least, I wanted to do some accounting in the business, which I, yep. I pretty quickly grew bored of. I'm, I've realised <laughs> I'm, I'm, I've got a creative bent more than a more numbers than a bent. bent yeah. If I can combine creative and numbers, I, you know, I do well. The business does well, um, but it certainly wasn't, uh, uh, you know, I don't know, um, export trade numbers <laughs> and bloody, you know, hedging and. <laughs> so did you did you think that you know coming out of that commerce degree was a sort of because that would have been the early 90s or late? Yeah, or late, yeah, 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 early 90s. So that's when we sort of had, you know, the recession and that kind of stuff and we saw the explosion of franchising come in, yeah. especially with food businesses and, and, and a, lot of, a lot of those food businesses' brands, the franchise brands, actually expand their footprint. Do you think that was just right place, right time for you to come out of uni, commerce degree, want to help the business and then you've got a, you've got a Ferguson player brand which is actually expanding at that time? Yeah, look, it, it was, but t- to be fair, you know, we went from 20 stores to maybe 35, 40 stores. Yes. You know, and there's a couple of other really big, I mean, all kinds of food brands mm. went from 20 or 30 to 200 and 300. Yes. Uh, and some of them did that really successfully. Mm. Uh, you know, now we talk about some of that kind of fast growth can happen at, with a real cost of culture and values mm. and that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. back then, you know, some of them did it really well. You yeah. Know, Baker's Delight ex- explained, yeah. you know, you were part of that journey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the likes of Michelle's Patisserie back yep. pre-RFG days. Yeah, good point. Family business, great business, grew mm. well. We were pretty slow, to, to be honest. Mm. And part of that was because the the business was comfortable. At, right. You know, it really was. And I, yep. I don't you know, just call a spade a spade. Yeah. We are kind of comfortable and yep. weren't used to fast growth. We had some... You know, uh, the the next generation of people running the business weren't that excited about it being, you know, really big because that brings right. headaches and it brings yeah. stuff that's new and different and mm-hmm. change. And t- to be fair, I was really excited about that because at the age of 25 or whatever, I was like, <laughs> yes. let's go. What are we doing? Look at yeah. all, these, all these brands <laughs> exploding. We should be there. <laughs> and and the patriarchs of the business uh, were like, oh, well, you know, they're growing too fast and, you know, it, it's not right for this reason and that reason. And, right. Um, and, and look, you know, that, that was where we were. Um, back at that back at that stage. So mm-hmm. look, we've got eighty five stores now, which is great. But in one hundred and twenty years, that that's pretty slow going <laughs> compared to plenty of others. You know, I'd like it to be faster mm-hmm. and diversified and different. We'll probably get into that a little bit later on. Yes. But uh, we 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 don't grow for the sake of growth. Yes. Um, and certainly now, I think it's harder to do. Um, you know, without messing your business up. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, that's kind of where we're at now. Yeah. But. So, uh, what about since you know since that time in the nineties? Like, obviously, you're CEO now. Like, how how what other roles have you done within 
the business in order to sort of get to that point where you become CEO? Yeah, so as I said, very early, you know, cleaning, I, you know, worked as a pastry cook, I drove trucks, I yes. did all of that stuff, you know, right. some of it well, some of it poorly. <laughs> you know, someone handed me a recipe for a thousand eclairs, as, as long as I could follow it, I'd oh, be good. Oh dear. My brother's much better at the at the baking <laughs> than, yes. than I am. Yes. Um, and he's more excited about it. I was more excited about the numbers. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, mates, uh, you know, during uni days, they'd come and work part time and we'd head up cleaning for two or three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after uni, uh, a role came up, our office manager or accountant, uh, you know, needed to leave and uh, and I put my hand up and I was in learning mode. So I started in, in that role. Right. And, you know, it's really compared to what I was learning at uni, it's, it's flour and water and some rent <laughs> and some power. It was, it was pretty simple versus all the international <laughs> trade stuff I've been studying. Yes. And that was exciting and then I was able to get my hands on all of this fantastic information or using you know, spreadsheets and some new tech um, and having sat around the, the dinner table and listening to all the things that I know, you know, my, my father and uh, Ken Ferguson would love to know about the business. Yeah, right. Was, was finally in a position to say, well, we've got all this information. It's just not distilled in a way that allows you to make really good decisions. And so, yeah. I, you know, spend the next five years, um, you know, improving our management accounts and what mm-hmm. have you so that we knew where we were going and what mm. we were doing and that kind of stuff. So finance, uh, for a large part up until the early 2000s, um, and uh, you know, I was really grateful that uh, that I was able to take card take charge of when the franchising code came in yes. in '95, I think. Yes. Uh, you know, putting all of that stuff together. So I was in charge of all the legals and the and the relationship building with all that stuff. So the Ferguson family looked after all the franchisees. Yes. Uh, but in terms of building the foundations um, at a legal structure and interrogating that, getting through, you know, GST got introduced, all yeah. those kind of things. A lot of change. That kind of stuff. So I was able to develop. Some really good relationships with franchisees, but mm-hmm. at a head office relationship connection, mm. um, which stood me in good stead for as we headed into the 2000, 2000s. Uh, I think it was you know maybe two thousand and nine. My my dad stood stood back as CEO of the bakery part of the business, yep. and and that was my role then. Yep. Uh, and then in twenty twelve, so between then and twenty twelve. Uh, we we bought the Ferguson family out, and we went mm-hmm. from having two CEOs, one for bakery and one for retail, to the sole right. CEO role, which which I've sat in from then on. Right. Yeah. Wow. That's a really good journey. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I mean, it's beneficial that you've done so many different things in the business, so that wherever you are in the business on any given day, you can go, well, I've done that, so I understand it. It may have changed. Yeah. A bit. Yep. But usually the fundamentals are the same, right? Like it gives you a really good credibility with your whole team it, i it, imagine it totally does it does way more so on the production side because the yeah. family predominantly until the early 2000s looked after that that and, and the finance side of things so when we when we took control of the business in 2012 yes uh you know we had to reinvent the retail side of the business yeah um and and not the shops or brand necessarily but the people and the training and mm-hmm. the support and to become best in class around that for franchising mm-hmm. so it was about getting the right you know the classic right people on the bus in the right seats all all that kind of stuff and yes. uh, um someone told me it would it would take you know four or five years um and i sort of I was like you're joking come on we'll, we'll get we'll get you know we'll get you know no it's seven or eight <laughs> <laughs> um, both of you were wrong yeah, yeah, yeah that's right so um uh, so so i i you know i've not spent you know years or decades running stores so I've, I've had to immerse my or surround myself in people who have yes and our retail team um, are made up of those people um, yeah who, who get it they've either been in franchising or retail born and bred you know from teenage yeah. mm-hmm. so let, let's talk about COVID times and last year and how you handled that as a CEO and how you handled that as a brand because I think obviously you were out in the media a lot last year you did a really great job in promoting the brand um, but as we take this in March just before um, just before Easter 
happens, yeah. right? It's like a, it's like two bookends. Like yep. it happened at Easter last year. Now it's you know we're sort of coming to some sort of normality now. Like when when it first happened last year, what were you thinking for the brand and and what kind of moves did you make initially to make sure that your team was your team was fine and and they were safe and they could work? And obviously you're dealing in a production facility. Mm, mm. You're producing a food product. Yeah. Um, what went through your mind? Like, what, what were the couple of first things you did? Oh, other than poo my pants <laughs> a couple of times before JobKeeper came in and yeah. some of those other things. I mean, we yes. had to very quickly move to what's worst case scenario and, and like, that was pretty bad. It was, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, Mike and I... You know, fairly. Yeah, we're we're optimists. That's just the kind of business that we are. But mm-hmm. you, you know, you've got to um, you know, look really deep about how bad things can get yes. when you're facing into the kind of storm that happened last year, <laughs> and it was just harrowing. I mean, we, we've I, I should say, you know, we have a board. It's a family business, but but we have a board, and we try and operate the board as if it wasn't a family fight and that kind of stuff. I've got an right, independent okay. chair who had been part of Baker's Delight and mm-hmm. McDonald's and mm-hmm. Choice Hotels and mm-hmm. um, and another gentleman on the board who sits on a lot of other boards who, you know, we we genuinely believe and know that Ferguson Player, Player Foods will be a better business with the kind of independence and objectivity that comes through yep. through boards. So Makes a heap of sense. First of all, we headed into this thing with people who had been around the traps for a long time, mm-hmm. which instantly allows you to shoulder – you know, the weight of this kind of stuff better. And, and you yep. often hear it, it's it's um, lonely at the top. Well, mm-hmm. you know, I'm massively grateful that, you know, as much as my brother reports to me, um, he's still a director and he's an owner and he, you know, we share the emotional journey of this business and have since forever. Yeah. Um, so I can share stuff with him that I might not share with other people. And I had a, a you know, really understanding chair and a board who at any stage, if I, you know, apart from the fact that my dad's still around and, and yeah. I could, you know, he's been through stuff too. So mm. felt well surrounded, well supported, but still had to <laughs> dive deep and go, crikey, what's going on? Yeah. Um, and uh, we... We, we very quickly worked out, you know, whatever happened, um, you know, you measured you, – it, it's easy to say you're a good business, you've got good culture and good values when things are good. Yes. We thought, first of all, here's our opportunity to really, really demonstrate that, you know, as we go through this, let, let's be measured by how we perform when we are absolutely pooping our pants back mm-hmm. against the wall mm-hmm. hard. Now, the, the theory of that's fine and I know the reality can be tougher, but we started with let's let's demonstrate to our employees, to our customers, all that stuff that we are who we've said we've always been because yep. this is the measure of it. Yep. Um, uh, secondly, you know, in a lot of our promotional stuff and what have you, we talk about this business is resilient and it's been through, mm-hmm. you know, two world wars, you know, yeah, a, true. A, a pandemic back yes. in, I don't know, 1913 <laughs> or whenever the hell that was yeah, after World right. War One, mm. uh, maybe 18. Yes. Um, uh, Great Depression, bucket loads of recessions, oil mm. crises, all that kind of stuff. Been through that. Now we talk about that, like, oh, you know, but but you know, Mike and I never believed that we would, you know, have our version of having to live through that thing. And we we're like, yeah. part of it was like, all right, batter, batter up. <laughs> it's <laughs> game on, boys. That's right. You know, whoever's running the business in twenty years can chalk this little. We survived COVID, hopefully. And yes. here, here was our yes. chance. You know, we thought yes. if our great grandfather. Uh, you know, he came over in the early 1900s, you know, was German, opened in Mooney Ponds, Puckle Street and survived World War One and all the stuff that comes with World War One and World War Two, around mm. being German and, in, yeah. and not Australian and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if he can survive that and we can survive depression, we, you know, we will get through this. Yes. Um, and so, that, first of all, was just sort of fortifying ourselves around predecessors had done it, 
Mm-hmm. We've, we're going to give this everything that we've got. Yep. Secondly, got a great team. I mean, out of in, in the last ten years, we've never had a better group of people working for the business. Yeah. You know, they're tough. Um, you'd be in the trenches with them every day of the week, and the trenches mm. got deep. So we were yes. like, all right, again, time <laughs> to batter up. Um, and uh, and really, you know, no one blinked around that stuff. But we did have to, like lots of businesses, soon as sales started to come down, and in the the worst of it for us, forty percent down. Wow! And across eighty stores, that was a mix of ninety percent down and ninety percent up. You know, right. Depending on where, yeah, depending they, on where, on where they they were during that mm-hmm. crisis, mm-hmm. so I had some diversity of geog- geography that that really helped there. Yes. Um, but uh, but we had to move to percentage of salary positions and what have you and and the, the team were very understanding of that. But I sort of fast forward through that first lockdown in COVID where you know and JobKeeper came in, they did the right thing. Uh, the, the government mm. I, I think moved moved quickly and regardless of criticisms or whether it was too much, yep. too little, all that stuff. Yeah, they heard on the on the side of generosity and I, I think agree. It, and it helped us be less anxious about things. Mm-hmm. The banks also with freezing loans, that kind of stuff gave yep. us some freedom. Landlords, I'm not going to talk about. Um, yep. For the most part, so, some of you out there listening, <laughs> you were great. Most of you were pretty ordinary. But moving on, um, uh, you know. But but we got through that kind of stuff. And after the first uh, the first lockdown, we had done better than we than we had predicted we, we could have done. Um, mm. We went from 40% down up to, you know, back up to um, sort of comping. Mm. Um, and uh, we still were eligible for JobKeeper. Uh, but, you know, come by the end of September, we, we found our way out. But, yes. But after that first lockdown, uh, we, uh, we as much as we'd gone backwards and we'd lost money and things like that, we, we could afford to repay... Uh, uh, all of the salary that we had deducted from our executive team, apart from about three weeks that were just scorched wow. earth kind of things. Yeah, and this was part of that d- demonstrate sort of who you are, and who knows if we're going to have to get everyone to take a salary cut again in yeah. six months because it's COVID, right? Um, yeah, exactly. So you know, and that involved me, the chairman, and anyone who got paid. Everyone came back at that at that percentage, mm-hmm. um, and so we repaid that, and that was that was a, a proud moment, and the team were really grateful, and uh, and it was just part of us trying to trying to do the right thing. Second lockdown happened, you know, longer, worse, uh, but based on the first experience, we're like, let's just keep everyone pumping. We need them, you know, they're kind of all emotional support for franchisees more than any of the other things that they did um, and helping, uh, you know, have our franchisees hold the line. So, look, none of our stores permanently closed. The Mm -hmm. the longest anyone was shut was for a week and that was just because mental overload. We ran the store for them while they um, were were off because we're like, let's just keep this going so you don't lose your customers. (laughs) Um, And uh, and so if you look at all of that, just, you know, really grateful for having got that done. And it's still been tough. It's nowhere near as profitable a year as we would normally forecast and budget out yes uh but if you if you take profit not just as as numbers but maybe some i don't know a demonstration uh, and some authenticity that we are who we say we are you know i'm hoping our behavior will be bankable in the next couple of years for yes people who want to join a business that supports them or franchisees who felt supported and that's come up in some of the uh the surveys that we do we do a biannual survey mm-hmm. with ten thousand feet um we had right. a fantastic our best ever net promoter score with franchisees as a wonderful validation of the support wow. we gave them now they still had a massively hard time yes but uh but through the various things that that our business support managers did our retail team and some of the head office stuff doing silly videos and just <laughs> trying to keep them happy yeah. uh you yeah. know was was um was really well received did it did it affect things like supply chain and 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 those kind of things as well because we're talking about a brand which is solely in Victoria yeah which had a lockdown for over 100 days yep. that produces a product for franchise partners yeah yeah 
Uh, right at the start, it was tough. You know, when there was a big run on supermarkets and meat. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, know, of course, it, it, for we, pies. We, we, we spent a couple of weeks wondering if we were going to be able to make pies, sausage rolls, pasties, which is a large part yeah. of our business. Because the production of that also slowed. Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everyone got cut back to percentage yes. and you had the yeah. seed of meats thing, which, you know, made, you know, meat works and what have you even... Mm-hmm. Uh, even more top of mind for government and controls. Mm. So, uh, so we were able to. We, we quickly jumped on our meat suppliers, and you know, we're, we're not, you know, we're, we're not huge compared to the really, really big, you know, meat uh, um, uh, clients out there. Sure, but we we're able to keep enough going through. Uh, and but in the middle of all this, we did, you know, I reached out to other pie suppliers, and as much as they're sort of semi competitors, we've got some. Um, some relationships with other bakeries, for disaster plan type relationships. Because <laughs> if they go, we'll help them. If I, if if uh, we go, they'll help us. Yes. Uh, and so I reached out to a couple and said, "Look, you know, God forbid we can't make any pies. Um, if you've got supply chain, you know, would we, could we, would we buy yours for a while?" <laughs> right. Uh, and they said yes, but for the most part, you know, Coles and Woolies and everyone else are buying them, and I'm not sure if I've got any left. So <laughs> it was. <laughs> We, 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 we did a lot. We had a couple of nods and we didn't have to test that. So we, right. we didn't run out of meat. The run on supermarkets, you know, sort of stopped. We are able to, you know, get, get those kind of things. Um, not much other supply became an issue other than if we needed to bring in bits of kit from overseas. We were sure. waiting on some ovens and some things like that that every, everything just paused, of course, in Europe. Uh, and, you know, we had spent a lot of work around, well, what would happen if, if we had an infection in our facility? Yeah, biggest risk i mean then i'd absolutely have to buy you know get things from from elsewhere Mm. so you know we've had just the most stringent controls here you know routine separation temperature checks like you saw when yes when you came in we had really good both doors no one's Mm -hmm. allowed downstairs yeah from upstairs all that kind of stuff so that if someone came through and uh, the the team who made all the cupcakes if there was an infection there then that wouldn't necessarily affect the whole bakery exactly now we didn't have to test that and that's not always a given with the dhhs um but we worked very very hard to make sure that happened so as soon as this stuff locked down temperature checking thermal scanning all that kind of stuff so we can record and move on um but for the uh, for the most part no everything else we were able to we're able to get uh part of being a vertically integrated business and making everything ourselves is that you know we are the main supplier for all of our franchisees yeah uh, from the party pie to the wedding cake, not that there were many wedding cakes <laughs> during COVID. Actually, to be fair, we we you know part of being able to look back and and now realise why Ferguson Player did well through World Wars, depressions and recessions is that we sell a lot of stuff that people really still need during those lockdowns. They're yeah. still time poor. They're still busy trying to survive. So a pie or a pasty with a bit of salad you know, or, or a, a little pick-me-up in the middle of a really depressed day like a chocolate eclair or a vanilla slice was, yes. was still a good go-to for people and we were allowed to trade, you know, part of the... Your essential service. Yeah, yeah, part of that really nervous moment up front and watching New Zealand lock down yes. even bakeries was, wow, mm. are, are we going to be, like, shut fully? Yes. And, you know, thank goodness we were allowed to do takeaway and we had substantial you know, range of products that are available for takeaway. Mm-hmm. Um, so caveat to that was uh, celebration cakes, of course, which went for, you know, in, like, 80% down overnight yeah. and, and we quickly pivoted to, you know, people who might have had a party for 25 people, clearly only had four people in the house. So we, <laughs> yes. in, within a week, launched a little party range of cakes, just, you know, 20-centimetre oh. diameter um, cakes that have just gone off and and, yeah, right. and they continue to go off because, you know, we sort of stumbled into a place where not everyone wants the big <laughs> $200, you know, cake and they mm. just want to just be able to rock up and not have to order it because everyone's running late on birthdays and those kind of things lately. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. 
I was going to say, like at the start of at the start of this, when this happened, Steve, um, I, I said to a lot of like, close friends of mine, I said the real brands are going to show, yeah, during this time, the ones that have proper brands, the the ones that really care about either, for example, like with yourself, like franchise partners and support office team, or the ones that really care about their customers, which is obviously where the long tail of this goes for Ferguson Player, mm. are really going to show through, right? And it's obvious that. You know, you guys are doing a fantastic job in Victoria and really growing even more credibility and respect, you know, at nearly 120 years. Like, what what kind of things are you looking forward to for the brand that you've seen during COVID that you want to now move forward on? Like, there's obviously changes in the food sector yeah. that have happened. Yeah. We've seen some collateral damage. We'll probably see more in 2021, unfortunately. Yeah. But what are you looking forward for, for your brand now, the uh, Ferguson Player brand that you have stabilised the foundation and, and you're ready to go. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I think just getting excited about the new normal. Everyone mm. says new normal, right? But genuinely yes. knowing, you know, what's the new foundation um, for, for retail, for sure. our business, that kind of stuff. You know, everyone's been tested and, mm. and made it through and, and, and getting out the other side. There's always a version of a party that, that you want to have, have happen. So it's yes. working out, you know, where is that and when can we go really hard? Interesting. Um, I think what, what COVID's done in lots of ways is, you know, if you had strategic plans and ideas about what the future might have held, mm. you know, it's like massively compressed yeah. everyone to think about that stuff and work out what's important and what's not important. And so there's, I think there's some real clarity around the things that you were working on You've made it through COVID. There's still mm. the right things to work on. Well, mm. then on the other side of it, you double down. Yes, is is what I'm. I mean, what we will be doing, and what I'm hearing lots of other businesses who are able to to do that is, you know, do do twice as much of the things that you thought were right in the yeah. first place. Mm-hmm. Um, drop the things that weren't working and are just rats and mice kind of kind of projects. Sure. Uh, and then there's some pivotal stuff around, you know, retailing and where it happens. You know, the mm-hmm. online stuff. I mean, everyone's talking about it, but I, it's some really nice analogies back to when. Uh, you know, China went through SARS in the early 2000s and mm-hmm. when Alibaba exploded onto the scene and everyone was forced to bring their businesses online to survive SARS and Great we point. sort of really weren't exposed to that in no. Australia so much. Mm. Uh, but when SARS disappeared, the online penetration in China stayed there yes. and it went up and I thought, oh, well, that, that just happened globally. Like, yeah. It's ridiculous to think that any of that's really going to fall away anything where uh, any anything like at a meaningful level. Yes. So we, we had luckily before COVID started working on a, uh, a new website, a, yep. a, just a streamlined, better design, mm-hmm. you know, um, d- device agnostic kind of kind of thing. Launched that in the middle of COVID. That's been great. Sales are up 120% in the middle of COVID. Wow. Uh, we turned on delivery in the middle of that and like uh, lots of other businesses who went on Uber Eats and Deliveroo and uh, yes. that all got turned on and, and that's become a thing, which is great. So we continue to work through that okay. um, and invest in that. D- delivery online, uh, yes, and but optimising website and that channel uh, and being really wary of the, the large shopping centres. I mean, mm. the you, we've absolutely dialled up our focus on strip locations, suburban centres, that kind of stuff. Uh, larger shopping centres, sure, there's a place for that for us, but at a particular rent per square metre and not a dollar above. I mean, Mm. some businesses that just got absolutely pillaged at the end of that, and I understand some of the big shopping centres are owned by, you know, investors and they've got to get a return and all that kind of stuff, but there's a... Uh, there's there's some very deep thinking about that whole omni-channel thing 
and how much a shopping centre contributes to your online sales and how yeah. much it, it really free rides yes. on your online sales. Mm-hmm. And so, that, you know, um, there, there's absolutely a place for that. But us thinking about how that all works is really important. And I think there'll be lots of businesses going, you know, why wouldn't I be building a pure play online version of my business Yes, um, where I don't need the bricks bit and I've got some other bits that do have the bricks bits and, and that kind of stuff. So that, that's one of the things. And for mm-hmm. the last couple of years, we've been, you know, very digitally focused at a um, at a customer facing level. Got a couple of cool things in pipeline that that help just improve the overall experience, especially yep. with making complex processes either internally or at a retail level um, not uh, less complex for the humans. Right? You yes. know, computers are great at taking those things and then spitting out a nice simple solution. So yeah. you know, we've got things like celebration cakes that are very complex ordering processes mm-hmm. for customers. I want blue icing, three tiers, this flavour. Yeah, Can good you do point. This? Here's a picture from Instagram. I want my, yep. my daughter wants that exactly. Yes. Uh, and and that requires a lot of human interaction. And, and we can digitise that to a certain extent. So that's something okay. we're working on, which is which is really cool. Awesome. And then internally, I've you know, got 200 different products that get ordered seven days a week, delivered fresh, uh, <laughs> and across 85 stores doing that seven days a week. I and mean, there's a lot of zeros on the number of yes. orders that come through the facility. Yeah. Uh, and we have the capacity for um, you know, to improve uh, the, the way that we do that using computers. Now, we already do that. We've got lots of online ordering systems mm-hmm. and some pieces. We've got some predictive ordering tools coming and that kind of stuff. Yeah, cool. Um, and they're scalable. You know, we're at 85, but look, we might be in other states at some stage. We yes. might have different versions of the business, but they can all use the infrastructure that we're building with some of these digital tools. Mm-hmm. Um so I think that the other thing is, you know, food trends. Yeah, lots of people spend lots of time, you know, for, for those people who weren't able to work or had to work at home and couldn't get out and exercise as much as they like, they'll mm. scan the nu- scan in the nutritional panel. <laughs> <laughs> you know, ten times more than they were. Everyone's got their COVID waistline that they're dealing with and you know, we sell cakes and pies. Yes. For you yeah. know, for the most part. We're exactly. the treat end of that. And mm. so people know about those kind of things. They have forever, but I think that's accelerated and there's a real opportunity, I mean, for all food businesses to look more deeply into that. And, you know, we launched our uh, vegan range of uh, meat, pie, meat, sausage roll products. Mm-hmm. And Ferguson Player customers are not typically target market for that. Sure. Uh, but so we thought this would be a slow boil. You know, we, we gave ourselves three years to get to a certain percentage of our sales being okay. the vegan products. It happened in two months. Wow. Um, just with a, a, you know, it's a great vegan pie. And I, I should say that because I went vegan for a, uh, yep. for a year and I'm now, you know, almost vegan. Any vegans out there will just be like, think I'm disgusting <laughs> for saying that. There's no <laughs> such thing. Vegan. I'm flexitarian. Okay. <laughs> um, but, 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 you know, it's the, the plant-based uh, revolution um, is, you know, it's a triple win. For, for everything, it yeah. is a win for the animals, and if that's your passion, that's mm. a, it's a win for the planet yep. because it is absolutely carbon and water less intensive, like yep. unbelievably, and it's a win for your body. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I totally some people agree. would dispute that, uh, you know. But I, I've been like this. I mean, I'm I'm going to the gym. I haven't lost weight. I've got. Oh, sorry. I, oh, well, I kind of haven't lost weight. You you can get, <laughs> you can gain weight being vegan. <laughs> Um, you know, but I haven't lost muscle. I'm healthy. Yeah. Uh, you know, th- th- that kind of thing. And, and people are making those choices. And, and for us at Ferguson Player or in some of the other channels we'll develop, it's about giving people choice. Yes. And what I'm seeing with my kids and my, my team's kids um, is there's an awareness, a, a much bigger awareness than anyone who's, you know, sort of over the age of 25 or 30 about, you know, the impact of 
uh, you know, protein from animals for the planet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you put all of that aside, you know, it is fact that unless we have some major disaster, there will be 9 billion people on this planet in 2050 and they cannot get all of their protein from animals. So let's just get with it, regardless of yes, all your moral stances. let's just understand it. Let, let's get good at it because mm. I love, you know, I grew up eating meat pies. I love a good meat pie and a yeah. good sausage roll. Me too. But if at 2050 it's like caviar, I still want to <laughs> eat something... You know, that tastes like that. Yeah. And I can with something that's just as high in protein, mm. just as high in uh, high in iron, uh, and, uh, you know, it's still a treat. Yes. So, you know, it's not half the fat or a mm. quarter of the fat. It, it's not far off, uh, you know, normal pies or burgers and all the other meat replacements out there. Sure. Um, but it allows you to know that, you know, the impact of what you're consuming is, is less. And that extends to... Uh, things like low sugar, no sugar. Yes. Um, there's the whole salt thing you know, yes. that, that's, that's been on the charts. And I think better for you products, not necessarily good for you, but better for yep. you products are certainly worth focusing on. Uh, and then during COVID, we also launched gluten-free pie, soon mm-hmm. to have sausage roll, and mm-hmm. there'll be a range of other products out there. Uh, and, and again, for many years, celiacs and gluten intolerant customers would come and we'd say, look, we're, we're just – it's not – it's not something we're really good at, so why don't you go to this sure. supplier and that supplier? Yep. We actually had a list of people we would point them towards because yeah, we wanted right. to help them out. Sure, uh, but you know, but clearly, uh, and and again, any celiacs or gluten intolerant people will be listening, going, "Oh yeah, we're sort of no shit, Sherlock." And <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, absolutely, we're a bit late to the party, but we do make a cracking gluten free pie and a whole bunch of other great gluten free things that are going to be coming forward. Mm. Um, but look, that that's not new. That's been in all the sort of you know futurist reports for the last five or ten years, and it's just made me realise that you know as soon as you see some of these things tick up two or three times in a row per year, yeah. you just got to get on with them. Um, and and everyone hears this: be willing to make some mistakes, place some bets, win or lose, double down, move forward, that kind of thing. Yeah, I think sometimes it's um it's okay late to be late to the party, you know, not not to attend, right? Yeah. So um. Yeah, so that's really that's really interesting. I want to I want to just ask about the the vegan range because yeah, you've yeah. obviously said you had a three year out a three year outlook and then you've done it in two months. Yes, is that because you've changed the uh, changed people in the experience into going into the shop and going in? They would have bought a normal meat pie and they've gone, oh, you got a vegan pie. Like I'm wanting to move to that, or are they coming in as new customers to Ferguson Player? Do you yeah. have any sort of anecdotal or data it's, on that? It's only anecdotal. Yeah. But uh, I think, you know, when we were developing this, we saw this as a real opportunity to grow new customers because yes. if you're vegan or predominantly vegan, you're probably not coming to Ferguson Player other than yep. for some cool flour, uh, um, yeah, vegan cakes. You know, sure. It's a lot easier to do sweet vegan than, than savory yeah, vegan. Yeah, 100%. Um, so we thought, look, a large portion of those customers will be new. It's a great business strategy. Yes. Um Secondly, you know, Ferg, you talked about some of our sustainability creds and what yeah. have you. You know, yeah. a, a large part of our journey has been around, how, you know, how do we make this stuff with a lower impact on the mm. planet? And I'm fourth generation. My kids are fifth generation. You, we care about the next 120 years. You know, it really annoys me when, you know, you, you've got capital timeframes that are four and five years. Yes. That doesn't fix the planet. No. It's not going to sort my kids out mm. when, you know, they're not able to live the way that you and I live now or we lived when we gr- when we were growing up. Yep. If Ferguson Plare um, or Plare Foods can help people, you know, really happily migrate from a meat product to every now and then a plant-based product that tastes just as good or close enough, yes. uh, you know, that's amazing. I mean, the, the environmental impact of a, of a standard meat pie versus uh, our vegan meat pie is, is very different. Yeah. 
Um, and we will continue to make amazing meat pies and sausage rolls and pasties. It's for the customers to make the choice. Mm-hmm. You know, and the, it's not a bakery dictatorship here. <laughs> it is, you know, making lots of products for lots of different people so that yes. they can they can have choice. Yeah. Um, so you know uh, that is, uh, I I, th- I think we've increasingly got people who are, are maybe inquisitive about those types of products. Mm. Uh, and, you know, for a year in development before we launched that, you know, I was the person who said, look, I've been eating at pies for a long time. Yes. Make me a pie that <laughs> makes me really happy on a Friday night when I'm watching TV and I'm drinking a, I'm drinking a beer. Yes. That, that's the yes. experience that I want. If we yes. get that right, yes. uh, you know, there's a good chance we're, we're going to sell some. And some people just want that beautiful comfort food experience mm-hmm. of a pie. Lots of people, with the research we've done, you know, uh, you know, pies are not the product that they were ten or fifteen years ago for mm. lots of different reasons. Mm-hmm. But you know, the research shows that people still people would love to eat more pies. Yeah. They might eat one a month right now. Yep. They'd love to eat two a month. Yes. But the research shows just give me a reason. Don't give me the same pie. Yes. You know, make it delicious gluten free or make it delicious vegan or give me some unique delicious mm. flavour or experience. Yep. That is better than than what I've grown up because in my mind I've migrated to other stuff and yes. there's so much delicious choice out there. Yes. Yeah. I've got two more questions before we, we wrap up today, Steve. Cool. Um, the, the first one is what have you learnt about yourself as a leader during this time, during the last 12 months? Yeah, that's uh, – I mean, I think everyone in this business will say they're, you know, more resilient than mm. – you, you always hope, you know, when you always hope you happen, are, you right? always hope you're tough, right? Yes. Like you just go, oh, man, I'll just, you know, bullet a gate, I'll just push <laughs> through. But, you know, it must be, it's not like that, but, you know, if, you, if you're if you in a war and you get, have a gun pointed at you for the first time, well, you pretty quickly work out really what you're made of. And, yes. you know, we had an economic equivalent of that happen in yes. Australia. Yeah. Um, and, I look, I had some, you know, some sleeplessy nights, but, what I, you know, what I found that if you surround yourself with the right people, yeah, you can get through anything. And and look, my my chairman uh, was, you know, he had a term where we, we'd talk about the team. He'd say, look, out of all of your team, you know, and this is well before COVID, uh, you know, if if I told you you can only take two of ten, who would be in the trenches with wow. you? Who would you take with you? You know, to stare down the enemy, right? Um, and and that's all you had, and. Uh, and it's just a great way to look at things. Yeah, it's just a great way to focus, isn't it, really? Exactly right. Mm. And so, you know, luckily f- luckily for me and for us, all of the people in, in our team during COVID were those people. Yes. Um, yep. And we were those people for them, um, which which certainly I think stands us in pretty good stead for what we do moving forward yeah. and, and for more challenges. Yes. Um, I, you know, found out that our our team and the business has the capacity to live the values that we've had on our walls for a mm-hmm. long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really nice because mm. you go from that sort of, I don't know, tacit, yeah, of course we're like that, yes. to, you know, no, we're putting that on a T-shirt and we're wearing it for the next five years because, <laughs> you know, maybe not a tattoo. <laughs> But you yeah. know, yeah. Um, you know, we're, yeah, th- this is ha- this is absolutely how we live. We've been mm. tested, and we're going to keep living it this yes. way because we got through with all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and resilience, you know, from that first discussion where Mike and I were like, "All right, far out." All the forefathers went through their things. We're going to get through our thing. And look, you know, God forbid, we're we're not through COVID yet. Yes. Uh, but when when or if the next lockdown happens, or when or when or if the next pandemic hits, mm. you know, we know what we've got to take. What what we've we know we've got what it takes yes. to get through that. Yep. Um, and we moved – I mean, I haven't talked about, you know, 
we obviously had to move very quickly to when you're 40% down to yes. you know, bring your costs down. Yes. Uh, we had to, you know, move deliveries, cut off certain products, mm-hmm. you know, big forgiveness in the middle, all of that, when we got franchisees who said, look, I can sell this, but like, yeah, but we can't make it. It's, yeah, you right. know, all those kinds of things. And and we moved unbelievably quickly and you know, autonomously. You know, the bakery knew what they needed to do very yep. quickly. Yep. The retail team knew what they needed to do. They you know, on a daily basis would come to me and say, look, you know, this is what's happening, this is what I need to do. Right. Not this is what's happening, what do I need what to do? What do I do? Yeah. You know, because – and and that was great because I, I might just would have – would have melted. Yes. <laughs> Too many melted. decisions. People just yeah. got it done. Yeah, you know? yeah, they, yeah. They, they got it done, which is which is really good. So, yeah, no, so a massive you know, testament to the team. Mm-hmm. did a great job. Um, my final question on the podcast, as it is with everyone I interview, Steve, is what are you looking forward to both professionally and personally in 2021? Yeah, I think uh, out of all the stuff that I've, I've just talked about that I think we did quite well yes. uh, is it also highlights what's the stuff you need to do better mm-hmm. moving forward. So yeah, every year I try and engage in a major personal development thing of some kind. Okay. Uh, and so a couple of the team have said, you know, how about, you know, someone in the business get really schooled up around disaster um, management. <laughs> Little bit, you know. Did we point, just do that? Is, yeah, we, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, so we did it well without education. Imagine yes. how good it would be if we have a proper framework for that. So I'm like, Love it. awesome. We don't all have yes. to do it. Yeah. You know, but if someone goes and does that and sort of reverse educates the team, that would yes. be a great place to be. Yeah. Uh, and strategy and, and future thinking. You okay. know, so we've always been, we've just finished a, excuse me. Um, that was my chairman calling. <laughs> <laughs> um, he said, "You must have been listening." He said, "Strategy, well done." That's, that's exactly <laughs> that's right. What we Keep need talking to, about strategy to work on. <laughs> um, is you know futures thinking and just you know everyone having the, the chance to navel gaze during COVID during those times where you couldn't be where you wanted to be. Yes. and trying to predict what look what does it look like on the other side of this. I just think you know continuing to be as good as possible at identifying trends and the ones that are bankable moving forward because mm. whatever happens, you know, the whole world's just gone through this massive acceleration of everything. Yes. You know, from online to, you know, uh, cultural stuff, value stuff. We've got the stuff going on in parliament, human yeah. diversity, all those kind of things. Mm. Um, food trends, sustainability. I mean, everything is just being compressed. And so yes. I think your capacity to make the right decisions quickly is is really, really key. Um, and for us, as much as uh, in, inside Ferguson Player we had diversity, we, so we had stores that did really well and stores mm. that did uh, um, less well because of the lockdown, uh, is it became really clear, you know, during that I'm like, oh, gee, I really wish we had a business channel or a sales channel in this area because that was, you know, uh, more resilient. Yes. And, you know, that thing that we've been thinking about um, over there, gee, you know, it, it'd be great to have that the next time there's a whatever it is, recession, depression, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know. So diversification has been on the cards for the business for quite a long time. Okay. Um, and we will accelerate that into certain channels. Only mm-hmm. strategically aligned type stuff, but I've got a facility that makes some wonderful products, um, you know, for a large range of, of uh, Ferguson player stores. Yes. So we've got the capacity to do that into some other channels. I'm not mm-hmm. talking about competing channels, but, mm. you know, um, you know whether it's a pie or a vanilla slice or it could be export one day. Yeah. All of those things. Sure. We, we just, you know, we've we just got to go hard. Yeah. Yeah. What about yourself personally? What are you looking forward to this year? Uh, you know what? I mean, I spent lots of time with my kids <laughs> last last year, some yes. of it doing silly TikTok videos yes. and bits and pieces, which, which was really good. But uh, I, th- I think I, I did a, a sort of a measure of that at the end of the year. We've done like 50 or 60. I've never done a video clip in my life, right? I mean, my <laughs> really? wife, my wife, no, my, my wife dusted off her media tour. She did a media degree and she's like, 
that's ridiculous. You've just done that on your iPhone. Like, why don't we just get Adobe Premiere and you've got a green screen at work <laughs> that, that we just happened to have behind this other screen we had. That's how that all happened, right? Wow, okay. And, and that was a lot of fun. And, and I, like, I like being creative and I've yes. got a bit of a musical background. But I'm, I'm genuinely looking forward to pouring that creativity into you know, strategy and, uh, and business excitement. Yeah. Um, and that's the stuff that, that I get out of bed for, you know, some of those things that I've talked about around whether it's a digital innovation, mm. um, diversification. It really is that. Uh, you know, yes, holidays, all the usual stuff, you know, yeah. just holidaying outside of, you know, my suburb or, <laughs> you know. <laughs> That, that kind of stuff. But I'm really yeah. grateful that with kids at the age of five and eight, you know, they're around a lot. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of homeschooling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really going to um, enjoy that not having to happen again. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> COVID. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I think that and just, just getting on with it. I mean, when you're in a family business, it is, you know, lots of people have uh, work life and home life and mm. it, it's very integrated when you're in a family business. Yeah. And, I, and you know, I love it. I mean, I, I really, really love it. Yeah, yeah. it yeah. just shows. So I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. Um, Steve, a lot of people are going to listen to this podcast and want to engage with you or um, understand more about the brand. I know you guys are really focusing on doing more stores in Victoria this year yeah. and, and, and and maybe changing over some uh, some sites um, to Ferguson Player. Like how can people find out more about the brand? Yeah, look, it's the usual stuff on website. There's a lot of really good information on the Ferguson Player website. Mm, it's an awesome um, website. Yeah, oh, mm. cheers, cheers. Mm. The team have done a, done a great job this yeah. year getting great it right. E- mm-hmm. Easy to find the information. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would just say to anyone looking at a, you know, looking f- for a franchise or, or for a business, just do your research because the mm. wrong franchise will, will just wreck you. Yeah, um, and the 100%. right franchise will just have you so happy. And, and Ferguson Play is right for some people and it's not right for other people. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, our team are fantastic at answering those questions and when we, you know, run it through our facility, everyone, you know, I get to meet everyone and vice versa and uh, I'll, I'll talk as honestly as I am to you right now, <laughs> you know. So, 100%. yeah, no, nah, website for sure. Cool. Steve Play, thanks so much for your time. Uh, thanks, Sean. Good on you, mate. Thanks again for tuning into another episode of Principle of Hospitality, the podcast. We hope you really enjoyed this episode. Please comment, like, and share this podcast with your friends in the industry. We're making this content with the industry in mind, so we'd really appreciate you sharing along with those that you care about in the industry. Thanks as well to our sponsor, Chef's Hat, the largest family-owned and operated hospitality supplier in Australia. They strive to inspire cooks, chefs, bakers and bartenders to deliver the best product with the best tools every day. We're so proud to partner with them. That's where the industry shops. And if you don't know us at Poe, Sash, my co-founder from Principal Design, has one of the best design agencies in Australia. So if you're looking for anything around strategy, branding, digital design and graphic design, then you can find them at principaldesign.com.au and myself at Open Pantry Consulting for anything to do with hospitality operations, strategy and recruitment. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks to Chef's Hat for supporting us. And until next time, stay safe. Cheers. Five or six years. Wow. Just, I don't know what happened. It just sort of bounced back and we were super busy. Right. To the point where it was hard to keep up, you know. We were like having um, a struggle making menu changes because we were just (laughs) so busy that you're just constantly prepping and constantly 
trying to keep up with the patronage. Um, yeah. Whereas now we're we're doing a lot more food development, and that's really exciting. Mm. You know, we're we're talking about slowing things down, slowing the service model down. Yeah. That's exciting. We're all enjoying yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I think is exciting, I guess, professionally this year is diversity. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we've all thought, how else do we bring revenue in other than just serving people in the restaurant? Yes. You know, so we're talking, yeah, man, we we talked about cookbooks over the years. Um, that's probably not at the forefront still yet, but we are looking at more educational pieces like more masterclasses and mezcal and tequila nice. and agave, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, whether we, you know, sort of brand our own cocktails. Um, yeah, there's a few d- different things we're talking about, which is nice to be thinking about something different than just normal day-to-day trade. 100%. Yeah. Personally, um, personally, I've realised that I need to have some more hobbies in my life. So <laughs> um, I actually rang a mate two weeks ago and I said, mate, I'm turning 50 this year. I want to learn wow. to surf. So uh, we've been down to Urban Surf the last um, three weeks, mm-hmm. um, which uh, has just been amazing. Um, <laughs> you know, I tried to – you know, I've, I've sort of said that I can surf for the last 20 years. Right, uh, okay. I, I, I can't surf. <laughs> Um, you know, I used to go out and try and get thrown around the waves a bit, but right, okay. it's actually been awesome. Um, <laughs> so that's just something I wouldn't have done pre-COVID, you know, it's, yeah. um, you know, and, um, and yeah, and then I've just got the kids mountain bikes and we're going to look at doing some more mountain biking and yeah, just, you know, personal yeah care stuff. Just get out and about, right? Yeah. Get in the fresh air. Yep. Matt, it's been great to, you know, been an honour to, to listen like to the experience and, and, and hear about, you know, such an amazing brand that I really, um, that really personified what Melbourne was to me when I first came here. So I really appreciate your time today. Oh, that's awesome. Thank um, you. What's the best way that people can find out about Mamacita? Sure. So we've got our Instagram handle is Mamacita Melbourne. <coughs> um, we're on, on Facebook as well. And our website is www.mamacita.com.au. They're, they're probably the three major channels. Perfect. Yeah. As always, linked up in the bio of this podcast. Great. Matt Lane, thanks so much. Good on you, Sean. Thank you. Thanks again for tuning into another episode of Principle of Hospitality, the podcast. We hope you really enjoyed this episode. Please comment, like, and share this podcast with your friends in the industry. We're making this content with the industry in mind, so we'd really appreciate you sharing it along with those that you care about in the industry. Thanks as well to our sponsor, Chef's Hat, the largest family-owned and operated hospitality supplier in Australia. They strive to inspire cooks, chefs, bakers and bartenders to deliver the best product with the best tools every day. We're so proud to partner with them. That's where the industry shops. And if you don't know us at Poe, Sash, my co-founder from Principal Design, has one of the best design agencies in Australia. So if you're looking for anything around strategy, branding, digital design and graphic design, then you can find them at principaldesign.com.au and myself at Open Pantry Consulting for anything to do with hospitality operations, strategy and recruitment. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks to Chef's Hat for supporting us. And until next time, stay safe. Cheers. Thank you.